From Variety, celebrating more than 118 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. My experience personally of it was the opposite of the characters. I never wanted him to come into my family business, and my character is dying for him to come into the family business. So it's kind of fun to to play the alternative universe of being super excited. I wanted Johnny to continue his uh, stem cell biology career that he got into Stanford with. And of course, after all of that and graduating and coming out of Stanford, he came home and said he wanted to be an actor, and I prepared to jump off of a building. On Netflix's comedy Unstable, Rob Lowe stars with his son John Owen Lowe. There are a lot of similarities between the father and son characters and the real-life father and son, but some differences too. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Rob Lowe about his new show, his relationship with his son, and so much more. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. In Netflix's Unstable, Rob Lowe plays eccentric biotech genius Ellis Dragon, who's spiraling after the death of his wife. Lowe's real-life son, John Owen Lowe, plays Ellis's son, Jackson, who returns home reluctantly to help his dad save his job. I'm the man who created the bruiseless avocado. The legend, Ellis Dragon. Am I crazy? They called Nikola Tesla crazy. Tesla did lose his mind and fall in love with one of his pigeons, which I would never do, although I do have a hawk. But I'm not attracted to it. Have you spoken to your dad since your mom's memorial? Ellis is spirally. Come to L.A. and help get him back in the lab. You'll regret it. Don't you mean I won't regret it? I'm lowering your expectations so you won't be disappointed. Oh, my God. All my dad ever does is try to change me into being more like him. I want you to be exactly a version of you. A version of me. You, but with some tweaks. We're in big trouble. There's an emergency board meeting tonight, and I think it's to oust you. It was supposed to be yesterday, but you were too busy. Oh, God. Bounding about your office, dick out balls in the breeze. What's so wrong with being more like me? There's enough you in the world already. You're like the sun. People get sucked into your orbit. Do you really think I'm like the sun? It helps things grow. You're a child. As soon as I said sun, I knew I should have chosen something else. The Lowe's have worked together several times before. John Owen served as a writer for multiple seasons of Fox's 911 Lone Star and also appeared on The Grinder. They also worked together on Netflix's Christmas movie Holiday in the Wild and the indie Grace Point. And then there was the A&E docuseries The Low Files, in which Lowe and his sons went hunting for Sasquatch. Rob Lowe sat down with Variety's Emily Longaretta and myself to talk a bit about the father-son dynamic that led to Unstable and what it's like to work together. Lowe also shares how he wasn't keen at first with the idea of his son joining the family business and whether that has changed. He also gets into his world inside the Ryan Murphy universe via 911 Lone Star and what else he'd like to do with Murphy. And then there's a surprising amount of talk about the grinder. Test the levels, this Rob em- Lowe. This empty chair is in honor of every writer. Someone <laughs> <laughs> on the picket line. I'm pouring one out for them. Exactly. It's it's Elijah the writer yeah. right there. There he is, right there. Let's make him a little, a little better. Bring, bring him closer. Yeah, exactly. Bring, bring him closer. <laughs> so... Um, well, this is the the two sides of of Rob Lowe. I'm the comedy. She's yeah. the procedural drama. Oh wow, That's very true. That's why we're we're tag teaming today. I, I like, like that. Yeah, because yeah. there's there's too much Rob Lowe for just one person. Yeah. So there's a lot out there. I'm not going to deny <laughs> it's, it. <laughs> it's good though. It's it, it's peak Rob Lowe time. It, it's a Robisance. I like it. <laughs> I'm stealing that from from McConaughey. <laughs> He'll, he would be okay with me because the McConaughey. Yeah, is what started. That uh, uh, Massance. 
Assance. The yeah, assance-ness like, of it all. I feel like yours hasn't ever died down. This has been happening for a long time. It's I've, not like you've gone away. No one no one has found me out yet, and I've been doing this since I was 15. <laughs> and, and I'm going to be 60. I'm 60. <laughs> <sighs> Crazy. Is that true? I'll be, well, I've got another year okay. to March. Yeah, yeah. That makes all the difference, right? It does. Like, oh, okay, well, in a year, I believe it. It's a different decade. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. It's true. It's a whole so. different decade, yeah. But you're still you're still the grinder. You're still the grinder lives on. The grinder is all he knows. <laughs> yeah. The grinder never stops grinding. Yeah. That... What can we do to bring the grinder back? Can this... we? I don't think it's possible now. I think it's oh, possible. Oh my god. It it remains still one of my favorite things I've ever been a part of. It was fun. It was yeah. a fun one. You know what? It's almost better, I guess, that the grinder had that beautiful twenty two se- episode season and then was over because. It's kind of like, you know, it, it, it died tragically at the height of its career. <laughs> it left the crowd wanting that's a, more. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because we all see those ones that go on for so long, and then it's like, just bow out. I know. Yeah, it was it was super fun. I mean, I did, I did, I, I feel like there is, by the way, this is going to be the world's greatest segue, but it's, it's organic and true. I feel like there's DNA of the grinder in Unstable. I really do. Yeah. Hmm. I can see that. I can see that. Like, uh, there, there's a particular character in comedy that you like to play. Yes, the the, the beloved idiot. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 it's like, there's nothing funnier to me than people who think they're really, 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 really smart and and really, really accomplished and acclaimed and they're idiots. Yeah. There's just nothing better. Because the thing is, to some That's, degree, these characters are those things. They are accomplished. But then the, there, there's a little bit of a pomposity. Oh, that yeah. Gets well, in it's, their why, way. it's like award season is my favorite research season. Yeah. All I do is listen to podcasts and, 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 see, and listen to actors talk. And yeah. I've got enough for 17 seasons of, of any character like that. Totally. Of, of, yeah, great, great material. Great material, yeah. I mean, ser- it's, it's funny that you said that because I spoke to your son when the show first came out. And he was like, you, he was like I'm similar to my character, but my dad is much more similar to his character. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. I don't but either. <laughs> And you'd think I would know because I'm his father, but yet he remains an enigma to me. <laughs> Quite the mystery. Yes, he's an enigma. Yeah, watching watching the show uh, and and watching the two of you, like it, it is sort of a question of where does reality end and when does the character when do the characters begin? Well, that was kind of the the riddle that we had to solve in creating it in the first place because it was. The genesis of the the show was my son Johnny's relentless trolling of me online, and it was it's super funny, and he he's merciless, and people enjoyed it so much that that he wisely had the idea to like, is there something here? Like the audience is is signaling to you they're interested in something, right? And whenever that happens, you should listen. Mm-hmm. But then, okay, so they like the relationship. Okay, but what, what, what is the relationship? Are we going to pl- actually play ourselves? Are we going to do a reality show? Are we going to do a Larry David-style, you know, alternative universe of yourself? Or what? So that was exactly what we had to crack. And I, th- I think this is the best v- version of that. Yeah. Was that a consideration, doing a reality show? Not it- really. 
Um, you know, although we did somehow, I had a number of years ago talked the people at A and E into letting me do a show where I search for Bigfoot with my kids. Yeah, and I will say that might have been the most fun I've ever had in my career, ever. Well, Just us in a tricked out pickup truck driving around the Pacific Northwest or wherever the hell we were, talking crap to each other and looking for supernatural. Mm-hmm phenomenon was really, really great. And, and that's why the Robissance has always been in effect because you've been doing like sort of wild uh, one-off projects like that in addition to sort of the, the day-to-day stuff for a while. It's, it's, you seem to be having a blast. If I'm not going to have a blast, who, who, I- who is? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, in all seriousness, is first of all, the business is so different than the business I grew up in. And, and we can debate the pros and cons of that all day long, and it's a long, long debate. But one of the good things is that there truly are no rules anymore. There just aren't. And so you can chart your own way, do your own thing, and it's not going to have an effect on your career pro or con. It's not like it's going to help. But in the old days, it might have really hurt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... So you can go and do whatever you, you want to do. And I have a lot of interests, so I get to do a lot of different interesting things. So how close did you get to doing sort of the, you know, it's almost become uh, a genre in itself, actors playing heightened versions of themselves on yeah. sitcoms that are loosely based on them, but they're playing yeah, right. frequently dickish version, versions yeah, yeah, yeah. of themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Or sort of like really, uh, you know, again, pompous versions of themselves, like Matt LeBlanc in episodes. Yeah, oh, that was a great show. Yeah. Did, did uh, you know, how far did you consider doing that versus sort of creating a whole new character? We, we actually didn't consider it at all because I didn't want to do a show based around the entertainment business. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't want to do it. And maybe that was because I, it would have been too close to the grinder, maybe. Yeah. But, but I also just felt that there – listen, nobody loves inside baseball stuff more than me. I love all, all of anything showbiz business related, but – you know, I travel a lot. I'm out there in the world, and there's a whole ginormous area of the world that is not interested in Hollywood mm-hmm. yeah. at all. Yeah. And um, I, I didn't want to exclude that. Um, and I found a world that I thought was ripe for um, satire, and that's the sort of fleece vest wearing, yeah. black baseball cap sporting mm-hmm. tech genius yeah yeah which is very very timely and right. and f- funny enough uh, you know the sort of the, the the tech world is at the center of the writer's strike right now too mm-hmm. sort right. of the arrival of silicon valley to hollywood and disrupting it's the new hollywood what's going mm-hmm. on here yeah it's the, it's the new it's the new hollywood it's the new gold mine it's the new future it's new all those it's the new villain it's the future it's the villain it's the gold mine it's the villain it's all those things but then the the sort of the the side of of the show obviously is that relationship between you and your son and and the fact that it's the two of you actually playing opposite each other. I mean, what kind of shit did you work through? Uh, what what would you say? Uh, how did you guys come out of this versus came into this as as a father and son? It's I can hear him answering, <laughs> and he would be answering if he weren't on the picket line. Um, but he, I think. 
we were able to say things to each other in character that that we may may not normally say to each other so much in person. And for just for me as a father, it was super easy to let my really be let my judgments run wild. <laughs> he really should engage his core more when he stands. He should. There's no. What's the point of having a twenty something body if you're gonna slouch and let your pooch fly fly freely? There's really not a lot of point. You know. He he really should. You know, look at his hairline a little bit. Maybe <laughs> he, you know, he he really. It's all of, you know, all of my like heightened, ridiculous father advice um, I, that I might give to him in person. I definitely was able to give to him as a character. Yeah. Something that I'm, I, I know Mike is so close with his kids. My dad is my best friend, so I'm like, I'm so curious. But the idea of working with my dad every day even though he's my best friend, seems like a lot. So I'm curious for you guys, was it, there were times where you were like, we need, we need some breathing room here. I'm trying, you know, honestly, I, I gotta say it was heaven from, from minute one. And from my perspective, um, and when I say this, Johnny goes crazy because he says, see how the way he compliments me, but makes it about him. <laughs> But is that it's when when I feel like it's having two brains on the set, mm-hmm. like we share the same sensibility about jokes, about comedy. Comedy is so subjective. Um, so many different iterations of of quote unquote good comedy. We share that, so I feel protected and safe all the time because I've got somebody else to kind of police everything, um, and. That's such a huge relief for me. And um, and then having, like you said, a, one of my best friends with me every to talk about, you know, anything mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, I, I never had that moment of I could use a break. Yeah. And you mentioned yes. you mentioned the empty seat next to you. Obviously, that was going to be Johnny, but he is, uh, you know, out uh, on the picket line. Mm-hmm. So, you know, shout out. I, to- I like to I like to judge his um, his sign. <laughs> I'm like, I think you can do better, son. Right, right. It's like it, a- AI is BS. I'm the, like, I think I've seen that one. Right, right. Like, Come on. Or I'll pitch sign ideas to him. You're like, we're in a month. We're a month in now. Like, uh, you know, you, you've gone through rewrites. Let's, <laughs> let's see a better sign. And what's good about this is every this is like like this is a perfect example of what we do in the, in the show. Every story idea, we have something in our past to work on. He and I once went, flew all the way to Indianapolis to watch Peyton Manning play football because he's a huge Peyton Manning fan. And he's so little that he wanted to make a sign, but we didn't know what network was covering it. So we had to make signs for every possible (laughs) network. And we really struggled with an ESPN sign, but we finally came up with extra special Peyton night. ESPN. Nice. nice. I'm kind of proud of it. I'm, that's pretty impressive. Extra special. Yeah. Peyton Knight. Nice. And did it work out? Did he uh, get that moment? Uh... I think we, then we ended up actually not being able to take the signs into the arena. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it made you throw them all out. <laughs> we just see, now there's a whole episode <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah. 
That's like, funny. The heart of, of his character's relationship with his dad is sort of like living in that shadow and, yeah. and sort of, you know, feeling that his dad wants him to be a mini-me and, and him trying to forge his own path. So I guess that's the heart of the question of, of in real life, the relationship between you and Johnny. Uh, he's obviously in this industry now, too. Uh, but what was that like for him and for you to sort of figure out how he was going to forge his own path, uh, but in a similar industry? Well, I again, and, and one of the reasons why I wanted to not set it in, in show business was, was, you know, to make it as accessible to everybody, no matter where you come from or what your interests are. And it's the same with the story beat of escaping a father's shadow. I, I think every father and son have that to work out, mm-hmm. particularly if the father is occupies a, a, a successful place in the son's eyes, right? Um, so I think it's both special to, to us, but also universal at the same time. And, and you know, I my experience personally of it was the opposite of the characters. I never wanted him to come into my family business, and my character is dying for him to come into the family <laughs> yeah. business. So it's kind of it's kind of fun to, to play the alternative universe of being super excited. I wanted Johnny to continue his, you know, uh, stem cell biology career he was, he was, uh, that he got into Stanford with. Um, and of course, after all of that and graduating and coming out of Stanford, he came home and said I, he wanted to be an actor and I prepared to jump off of a building. <laughs> <laughs> he could have saved me a lot of money. I'm like, bro, you know, you could have just worked at Jamba Juice this whole year, yeah. this whole four years. You didn't have to go up to Palo Alto <laughs> to do this. Well, he has a backup plan, though. Just he just does in have case. a backup plan. He does. He really does. Well, I want to go back a little bit before Unstable. Obviously, Johnny was also a writer on Nine One One Lone Star, which I've been watching from the beginning. Oh, good. Uh, good, as, good. as Mike knows, I pretty much watch every procedural on TV. I, it's it's my thing. Uh, and but he was a writer, and obviously work got to work with you on that. What what was that process like, and how how different was that? The first time that you guys you were working were in that kind of roles. So the- the, the genesis of Johnny and I working together was actually going back to the grinder. I like the way the grinder's kind of lurking yeah. over this whole conversation. It's the overall it's theme of this. It's, and I, I love that. Um, he likes to tell the story where I come home one night and go, oh, there's a great character you should read for on the grinder. He's a teenage douchebag. <laughs> he loves telling that story. And Johnny came in and he he – he got the part, which you know he certainly had a leg up to get. But then they they loved him so much they kept writing the part in. Mm. So that was the first time we worked together, and he was working as a writer's assistant in the room. And then he worked on the Mick mm-hmm. with the Chernin brothers um, on that show. And then he worked um, for Brad Beaker, who is the executive producer director of a lot of the Ryan Murphy shows, mm-hmm. as Brad's um, assistant. Um, mm assistant director um so and then they offered him a job in the ryan murphy world at the same time coincidentally mm. that i was about to start doing lone star and we were like wait a minute we've got a kid who is related to the lead and it's a show about a father and a son we want to hire him anyway It'd be insane to not put him on lone star um so that's how that's the how it all happened. 
That's wild. That's, yeah. that's so wild. Some serendipity yeah, going really on was. there. Yeah. Well, was he was he uh, giving you pointers as the writer uh, on certain episodes? Um, one of the moments where I realized that, despite my disappointment that I don't have a scientist son, <laughs> um, was w- back in the days when the writers could still come on the set. Mm-hmm. Um, it was his episode. He was covering the set, as they say, and we did a take and, you know, you huddle up as you do with the director and the writer. And we all discussed the take we had done and how we felt about it. It was a very lively give and take. And we walked away and I realized I had forgotten that that was my kid. Mm. I really had. And that's how I knew he he was, you know, it was in the DNA. You know, Mm -hmm. it's in – we don't look – we don't. We never question it when it's Tiger Woods's kid. We go, oh yeah, well of course. Or we never question when it's Brawny and LeBron mm-hmm. James, right? Or oh, it, it's like you just go, oh, yeah. But when it's something about when it's an actor or or a singer, you go, but but it's it's in the DNA, you know. Mm-hmm. It just it just is. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's uh, yeah. I, I wonder, and and of course that that whole New York Magazine uh, uh, nepo baby yeah. story. I'm sh- I'm sure you two had a conversation about that. One hundred percent. And my, you know, and he has it because he's the because he is the you know, in the category of an of a nepo baby. I, I'm not, so I have a different. I mean, I had nobody helping me. Zero. I didn't even know what an agent was. So I have a totally different experience, and yet. I go, I'm all for second and third generations because I love I love Jeff Bridges. Is Jeff Bridges not supposed to be in the business because Lloyd was? Is, you know, is um, Michael Douglas not supposed to be in the business because his and, – and, and on and on and on. Is Jake Gyllenhaal not supposed to be in the mm-hmm. business because his parents were? And there, we, would, we would not have so many really talented people. So I'm, I'm – I, I I don't think it's a thing. I, right. I, I think it's a it's a clever headline and a and an interesting conversation. But but for me, I'm I don't you know if everybody opens the door for their kids. Yeah, yeah I feel like anyone who is in a family business, no matter if it's a construction business, right. whatever right. it is, yeah. if like if if I could work with my, you know my parents helped me get my first yeah. get my first internship. Like is that you know what I mean? The and same by the way, thing. if if you don't work out, you're the first to get fired. Right. Not the last. Yeah. Right, right. Like if you got in on a wink and a nod, they're gunning for you mm-hmm. if you don't deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's probably so the easiest person to fire is yeah. your kid if your kid is not showing <laughs> yes. up. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Go, go home. Go home. <laughs> Get out. Did so, you watch our season finale? I did, of course. How about that season? It's, I cried how, through the whole thing. I kept thinking, all right, this is going to get me more. This is going to get, and then it just kept kept and then, winding up. And then that Gina Torres killed me. That last, end. that last whatever sequence. Yeah, it was so emotional. It was it really, emotional for it, you? It, it, I'm euthanizing my brother, my actual brother. I mean, it's actually insane. You know, it it's the feel bad finale of the year. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I mean, it's like. When when Tim Mynear, who is just such a genius, mm-hmm. who 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 runs our show and is the Maven, just pitched to me that the season was going to end with me euthanizing my actual brother 
Chad Lowe. Mm-hmm. And then staring at him as he's done it and then picking up the phone and you hear the, you know, 911, what's your emergency? I was like, that's amazing. And are they letting, I was like, are, are they letting you do that? Right. I, I, was, I was actually surprised, you know, network TV is still network TV. Mm-hmm. It's not, it, it, as, take it from somebody who's two shows on both, you know, on Netflix and network, very different. Yeah. And I was surprised they, and that they let them do it. Mm-hmm. And they did. And it's as powerful as anything I've been a part of. I'm just glad you're not method because that would have been <laughs> really <laughs> awkward. Wouldn't that be, <laughs> wouldn't that be amazing? What would, what would, what would my boy Jeremy Strong do? He would kill his brother. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder what he, I'm going to call him. Love him, by the way. He's the flipping best. But I'm going to be like, what would you do? He would tell me. Yeah. He, will tell, he would tell you. He would sure definitely tell back. you. Make sure to tweet it out. I'm sure it would so go good. Up. I'm <laughs> going to do that. I'm going to find out. It's, I mean, it's just insane. How, being in the Ryan Murphy universe and that you've brought up, obviously, before, we know Ryan Murphy is one of the one of the creators of the Lone Star of the 911 world. Have you thought about popping up on his, any of his other projects? Ironically, he and I had been trying to work together since Nip Tuck. Mm-hmm. And every show that he did that had a a lead my age, we tried to do, and I was never available. So go down the list, right. every every one of them. And finally, I was available when this came around and just jumped at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I love I, I love the Ryan universe. Yeah. You're like, sorry, Ryan. I'm I'm chasing Bigfoot right now, <laughs> right. but um, give give me three months. I would I would love to be in a you know American Horror Story, but I am yeah. in my Rob Lowe Horror Story. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the 911 universe, so now that 911 is going off to ABC and Lone Star staying on Fox, is this going to be like the turf we, war? Or well, this is what I'm saying when I said there are no rules earlier in the podcast. Yeah. When 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 there, I mean, I don't think it'll happen. But there's a world where 911 Lone Star and 911 are on at the same time they on different networks. They can't do that I to fans. I don't, they think they would, do I don't think they would cannibalize it. But, I mean, anything's possible. So we live in a bizarro, uncharted universe now. Um, and I, I had suspected this is, was going to end up being what happened. And I, my guess is that it will end up in a world where – you know, it'll be Ryan will be Dick Wolf, mm-hmm. yeah, at 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 Disney and have his own night. I think I think mm-hmm. that's where this all heads. Yeah, and you know, whatever Wednesday night will be, yeah, yeah, and the you know, my I would wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a third nine one one. Why not nine one one Sin City? There you go. I Make, mean. I mean, I'm just I'm just spitballing. I don't have any insight. About I just know what I'd be doing if I ran the world. <laughs> well, in the Dick Wolf universe, even though again I watch nine hours a week you know of Dick, Dick Wolf. Wolf Dick so. Wolf owes his TV career to me, right? Do you know this? I don't know this. Oh yeah, one 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 hundred percent. If I could just have, he needs to let me, as they say in the uh, in in mafia movies, he needs to let me wet my beak. Mm. <laughs> yeah, just a little taste. I, just a little taste. A little taste. Just a little. I just want to wet my beak. Yeah, because. He he, I he wrote his the last movie he did. He I starred in. He wrote it, mm-hmm. and it was a good movie. But got a it did. When I say it did no business, 
I mean, close your eyes and what do you see? That's that's the level of no business. <laughs> yeah. And I remember him being so, it was called Masquerade. Good movie, but didn't work. Um, and I remember him saying to me how frustrated he was in the movie business. He, he was going to write a pilot. And he wrote Law and Order. Mm. And the rest and you is were like, history. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah. I'm happy to provide the bomb <laughs> that, that powers your rise to dominance. So if Masquerade had been a hit... There'd be no... Think about it. What would I watch? What nine well, hours of TV would yeah, I watch this, this a week? Is, think about what we wouldn't have. I know. It's like the sliding doors thing mm-hmm. where... Yeah. What would be on television today? That's right. Yeah. Well, and he's able to have... I mean, there's been FBI, which is on CBS, crossovers with Chicago PD, which is on NBC. So maybe that means we still can have crossovers between 911 and 911 Lone Star. Oh, I think we will. Yeah. And and, and we would would with... with, If there's a third one. Right. I mean, I I would certainly certainly do that. And, you know, I, like you, love a good procedural, but Mm -hmm. what I really love is... And this is where I think I think Ryan is at his best is when there is a pre-existing universe or conceit, and then you get his iteration of it. Mm-hmm. So you take Greece, and he he gives you Glee, right? You know, you take Emergency, and he gives you Nine One One. So. Um, and it's the, you know, and like I said, it's Tim Minear who runs the show. So it's the Ryan-Tim combination of the, the euthanasia while someone sings a song from company. That's not going to happen on any other show. No. And that's what keeps me interested. Yeah. That's exactly how, why I'm still interested in doing the show. Yeah. So what uh, if there was like a American crime story that you would star oh. in? What, what, what story from history or... Well, what? first of all, let's discuss how down I am for the Menendez brother oh, American crime story. So yeah. I cannot... I'm trying to think of... I, I've already Googled who was involved. Is there... A, there's no part for me. I won't yeah. be in it. <laughs> I mean, you can um, play like, yourself from the era, from like. Ooh, maybe they maybe they visited the set of Saint Elmo's Fire. <laughs> maybe maybe Mr. Menendez hi- had the VHS rights. Yeah. To Young Blood. Oh my <laughs> gosh. This right? I mean, this could happen. Th- I'm there for this. Yeah. Oh, call Tim I up after this. I think we've done something here. Yeah. I think Truly. we've done something. Yeah. Um. I'm, I actually think about what I think about also is feud, because I love yeah. I love the feud world, That's and like what so feud good. would I what would I like to do? Yeah, I mean, what, is, what feud would you like to do? What feud? Oh my gosh! I mean, would it be Judd Nelson versus Andrew McCarthy? Would that be the feud we would want us? I'm just kidding. I'm, the, I'm here for it. I'm kidding. So it all, um, feud totally here brat for pack. It. Feud brat pack. Um, <laughs> is it Kennedy Kennedy Hoover? I feel like we might have seen it before, but still. But see, that's the other thing that Ryan does so well is some of these stories we have seen before, yet I, it still catches you. He gets a take on it that just works. Right. And, and gets cast that just work. Because this cast, these actors he pulls in. I know. Crush it. I would, I would like to. Uh, feud would be the one I would like to do. Maybe we do Feud, Rob Lowe, Johnny Lowe. Mm. <laughs> But there's going to be a feud if he doesn't get off that picket line. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go to work. Well, you, we saw you were out there. You were out there with him? Yep. I went out first day. 
Um, nice. And uh, wanted to, and it was great. I, I not only did I get to to see just the notion of your kid on the picket line. There's just something about it. And and Mike Schur was there mm-hmm. from you know my boss at Parks and Recreation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig Mazin, um, who made my favorite show of the last 15 years, Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. And he, he and I did a little movie called The Specials years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I specialize in making movies and projects with people that don't do well, that then allows them to go on to heights unforeseen. Yeah. So The Specials was James Gunn and Craig Mazin. <laughs> Whatever happened to those two? It's too little. Those two know. guys, yeah, but that's, that's what I do. Yeah. So if you're a young filmmaker out there, I'm just saying, if you work with me, you will go on to other things and leave me behind. Cast, that's how yeah. we work it. That's how we roll. What is it called? Like the boyfriend, the, the, the guy who dates everybody who goes on their next relationship, they find like the love of their life. Yes. So yeah. like that I'm that guy. Yeah. I'm that guy. <laughs> Well, is there uh, we we keep bring going back to the grinder? But is there any other uh, past project that you'd love to revisit? Either a hit or something that you know didn't go the distance that you're like, if we could just have a do over. Well, weirdly enough, and all uh, the specials might not be a bad idea because it, you can it was it was super low budget, and it you can see why those two guys went on to be who they are because they hadn't quite figured it out. But if you go and watch the specials, it is, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. For sure, it just is. And every sort of move that James is favored for was there then. Um, and the characters were super fun. Um, the, the the concept were they were low rent, wannabe, extremely unsuccessful superheroes. Mm. And... I think I, my character was the weevil, <laughs> and the weevil would weevil his way in. I, I'm not really clear what the weevil did, but the weevil was a good character. Um, I'd like to, this up. I'd like to see that up. with a $200 million budget. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, nice. I think you're overdue for uh, either the you know, Marvel, DC, sort of, you know, bring, bring back the weevil. Bring back the weevil. Let me wet my beak. <laughs> and you're welcome, Dick Wolf. Yeah, you're welcome. You're well, welcome. thanks, Rob, for stopping by. Um, <laughs> so fun. Thank it's, you. Uh, you know, it, it is a pleasure to see the Robisants continue. So <laughs> let's keep it, keep it going. Let's keep it going. Thank you so much. That's Rob Lowe, star of Netflix's Unstable and Fox's 911 Lone Star. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanky, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit.